And welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. It's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show. If you'd like to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, or Brian Hefty. All right, so here on a Farmer Friday, I guess I'll let you know a little bit what we're doing on our farm. If you were curious, we have been cutting silage. Actually, we haven't, but the dairy right next to us, they've had people coming in, cutting silage off our ground here for the last week or so. We've had areas as much as 40 tons to the acre, which sounds amazing, except for the fact that we've also had areas of almost zero. So we have had bad drought here on our farm for over three years. And granted, there are a lot of other areas that are worse. So I'm going to count my blessings. But in many areas, in a lot of our fields, it's very subpar for yield and tonnage and what we can expect. We did take our first field of soybeans out. We planted some really early beans for our area, 1.2 maturity. And normally around here, I like a 2 or a 2.2. So very early for our area, and we, we just got those cut here in the last couple of days, about 46 bushels, which I thought was not too bad considering that we had a couple of sand spots in there that were almost zero. So uh, good crop where there's moisture, like in some of the low ground, stuff like that, uh, some of the richer soil, and then where there's sand, there's basically nothing. So that's kind of where we're at on our farm. Uh, We're going to be doing a little bit of grain corn coming up here in a couple of weeks, high moisture corn for the dairy. Uh, We had a pretty good year with alfalfa on our farm. We have about 500 acres of alfalfa. I I was surprised that we got as much as we did there for tonnage, but we had so much snow last winter that we got a lot of moisture down into the ground. So that part was great. So especially our first cutting, my gosh, that was fantastic. We got more in our first cutting this year in year two of that alfalfa stand. We got more in the first cutting this year than we did in three cuttings in year one last year. So our our, our, our first cutting was fantastic. Kind of went downhill a little bit from there, but uh, but anyway, that's, that's kind of what's happening here on our own farm. I guess I just want to encourage you today, make sure you're checking for any of the trial things you did this year. Try to pay attention, just anything you can possibly learn on your farm. I mean, that can really help you in the future. So one of the things that I was talking to a group of farmers about here just before the radio show today was gall midge larvae. And I said, all right, we're, we're getting more and more of this gall midge. It's a little fly that lays eggs in the soybean stem. The eggs hatch. It's little red worms, and they hollow out the inside of the soybean stem. And I said, get off the combine this fall if you're going along And you get to an area where you go, oh, this isn't a normal drought area. It's not like a sand area or anything else. And all of a sudden on my end rows, I'm getting some pretty poor yields. Just stop the combine right there before you tear up the rest of the evidence and check the plants. See if you see a little hole near the base of the stem. Slice the plant open. See if you see feeding on the inside. Maybe you'll even see some of those red worms yet inside. So this this gall midge deal, it's, it's really getting to be troublesome for a lot of people and we don't have a lot of great ways to stop it you can do thymet at planting time it's kind of expensive but if let's say you just put it on the end rows where you've seen some gall midge issues um, you know not too bad 
You could also try some bifenthrin if you want to try to get the flies under control before they're laying the eggs. That's a possibility. A lot of times, like in our area here in South Dakota, we see these, these flies around sometime in June. And then the other thing is just cultivating. And I know this may seem weird, but University of Nebraska did this study last year where basically they found if you've got more dirt up on the soybean stalk, so let's call it early June, you're out there and you do a little cultivating, you throw some dirt up on that stem of the soybean, then for whatever reason, the gall midge, they just don't like to lay their eggs there. So they, uh, you usually have a lot less of the gall midge larvae later in the season if you get some dirt up on the lower part of that soybean stem. So anyway, those are about the only things that we know of at this point that can reduce the issue with gall midge. But I'm just saying here, as you're going through harvest, if there's anything that seems weird, you go, oh boy, I don't know about this or that. Do some investigation. Try to figure out, okay, what really went wrong so you can fix that problem going into next year. Maybe you need a hybrid that has better tolerance to Goss's wilt or a soybean variety with better tolerance to sclerotinia white mold. Or you say, boy, I have some lodging here. You dig your corn roots up. You got rootworm issues. I, I, I mean, do whatever you can to investigate now because when we get a lot of the questions, it's after harvest. And after all the evidence is gone, and guys like, yeah, my, my yield was poor in some areas on my farm. What do you think went wrong? Well, at that point, I, I mean, I don't know. There are so many things that it really could be. And, I mean, we're trying, we want to try to help you as much as we can to maximize yield, maximize profitability, and make things great on your farm. But there are a lot of things that can go wrong during the season. And without kind of narrowing up the spectrum, it's hard to figure out exactly what ex- what went wrong so you can fix that for next year. All right, another thing that we've gotten a lot of questions about, because coming up pretty soon here, there are going to be some people that are doing some fall spraying. So let's say you want to raise corn or beans or some crop next spring, but you're not doing a lot of tillage and you've got some weeds this fall. So we get these questions about, let's say, mare's tail or henbit, pennycrest, some of these winter annual weeds. What's the best way to go for getting those things wiped out? And I personally like killing off the winter annuals in the fall because by the time we get to spring, it's hard to stop those things in a lot of cases. They're big. Their root system is well established. So you got a lot better chance by spraying here in the fall. And my favorite product is actually old Banville at a court. If we're talking about winter annual weeds, like mare's tail, you go out there with a quart of Banville and pick a nice day. You can't spray when it's 45 or 50 degrees. Otherwise, it's not gonna work very well. But if you can hit some afternoon where it's 70 degrees, um, you, you can get really, really good control on these winter annuals, leave yourself a little residual. So that's something you could do. You could do a high rate of 2,4-D if it's going to go to soybeans next year. I mean, you got a lot of options, but get those weeds under control. It's Farmer Friday. We're going to take your phone calls next. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. 
Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.claas.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, phone lines will be open all throughout our show today. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit later in the show, but right now we want to go to the phone lines. Got our friend Tony Wendler calling in. He's with Farm Shop MFG. Hey, Tony, how are you today? I'm excellent, Brian. Hey, those yields on those beans did not sound that bad. (laughs) That's always what I'm looking for, Tony. My yields are not that bad. No, I'm looking for great yields, and I'm just discouraged because we just don't get rain. And I would love to irrigate, too, but we have solid granite below us, so we can't get much much water out of our ground. And pretty much every well driller I've talked to has said that everybody's run out of money, but before they get all the way through that granite we got below us, which is why you see all these quarries around us and everything else. So anyway, that's a little tough situation for us, but that's the way it goes. What uh, what have you been talking with farmers about lately? A lot of people are talking about, everybody's concerned about drier uh, uh, beans and looking at uh, moisture management, adding some moisture back. That's been a lot of conversations. A few are, uh, you know, drying beans or doing fan controls to maintain the moisture in their uh, corn. So uh, conversations along that direction have been really common here lately. All right, let's talk about those dry beans. Let's say that the beans get down to 10% or hopefully not, but maybe they get down to 8%. How long does it take with automatic bin fan controls, like in your area, to bring those beans from 8 or 10 back up to 13 by just pumping in some more damp air? In, uh, if we if we got good communities, uh, first thing is I always like to see, and the easy way to frame it is, I like to see one horse per thousand bushels. Uh, the uh, with that we'll do it pretty fast. But if you've got decent humidities, you can actually get that in there in uh, three four weeks. You can put three four points of moisture in. 
Now, I want to say that it's not uncommon for September to be a quite a dry month, and we do not have a lot of useful air in that period. The uh, you get later into October, and especially November, we'll find more useful air. But uh, with these dry years like now, I'm expecting September to remain a dry month. So that's I need to qualify it that way. But yep. hey, you get into the spring, two three weeks, you can uh, you can pump a lot of uh, water back into a bin. Okay, here's another question that I had the other day. A farmer goes, all right, am I ahead? Should I just use my automatic bin fan controls to take a whole bunch of moisture out of my corn as opposed to running it through a grain dryer? Because he goes, well, what if I combine my corn at 20 or 22% and throw it in the bin? Is it going to be okay? Is it going to spoil on me? Can I really bring it down to 15%? Grain depth, first thing. Do not have it deep. Do not have it piled. You need to have it level. Uh, Axial fans, 18 feet of grain depth. Uh, Centrifugal, 25 plus minus. Uh, Like to see lots of horsepower on those fans. And, uh, you know, really much beyond 20 is, uh, makes me a little bit nervous. If you were in the upper teens, I'm a lot more comfortable. Uh, I've ended up with some 21 and 22. It really seems to restrict the airflow through. So you've got to have lots of horsepower and, uh, you know, over one horse per thousand bushels. And, um, you know, yeah, you can. And actually, electricity is is pretty efficient, but I'm just a little nervous on dumping 22% in. Yep. I wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. Well, hey, Tony, great talking with you today. Appreciate the call in, and uh, hope you're doing well. Hey, thanks, Brian. You have a great weekend. Yep, you too. Thanks. Let's go next out to the state of Wisconsin. Got Kyle calling in. Hey, Kyle, how are things going in your state today? Oh, it could be better. It could be worse. Honored to talk with you again today, Brian. Um, It looked really bad 60 days ago, but we're going to live to play another day. So, in other words, it looks like your yields are coming out okay. It's not a complete disaster. Yeah, it won't be anything to write home about this year, Brian. But, uh, you know, the last uh, probably three to four years, we've been blessed with nearly perfect weather conditions. So that really pushed yield averages up pretty high. Uh, This is kind of a reality check type of year. And it's going to bring us back down a little bit. But I would say we're probably going to still hit our 10 to 15-year average. Oh, sure. So is there anything you've noticed other than obviously rainfall, but is there anything else you've noticed that's really been a contributor toward yield or crop health this year? Um, our corn health, our plant health is really actually very good. Uh, we were watching it. We were debating whether to put on some fungicide and just where the markets are and where we've seen our yield going, we decided to save those dollars. And a contributing factor towards that was our weather. Normally, our weather, just like you guys, the weather, winds come out of the west and southwest yep. Yep. and push a lot of those spores in from the I states. But this year, we had a huge amount of days with strong, dry easterly winds and northeasterly winds coming off of Lake Michigan. Yep. Um, so that was a big contributing factor in our decision to skip the fungicide on corn. And 
Yeah, we got a little time to go yet another 30 days here, but our corn looks extremely healthy uh, from a, a disease standpoint, uh, not seeing any type of lesions out there at all right now. Um, and our beans too, we, we did do our normal fungicide passes on beans. Uh, we did skip the Cobra this year just because our beans were so stressed to begin with. And when we did our passes of fungicide, we didn't want to burn them or knock them back any further. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're seeing actually very little incidence of white mold, but SDS is really showing up big time in our area. Um, and not just in historic areas of compaction or maybe some drainage issues. We're seeing it up in some really highland and uh, some really uh, areas areas that I've never seen it before, and in large pockets. So, and we we put on Olivo at a, a more of a half rate. Uh, we might be considering going a full rate of Olivo or some other type of product next year to help get on top of it. So I'm going to assume then, if you've been seeing a bunch of SDS, you're going to be talking more to whatever seed dealer you have saying, hey, I probably need a better bean for sudden death syndrome, right? Yes, for sure. We've normally seen, you know, 20 or 30 foot diameter pockets just in in areas where there's severe compaction like headlands or where we lose semis. But uh, this year we're seeing it in some large swaths of fields. Well, that's too bad. So, I mean, other than that, with late rains that you probably had, I mean, do the soybeans look pretty good? You said uh, you did some fungicide there, no cobra. No, no. Uh, All in all, our beans, you know, are coming out looking real good. We're probably going to be in the low 60s instead of the mid to upper 60s. Uh, One interesting thing that we, we can do is we can plant 30s and 15s with our planter, uh, just by, you know, checking a few boxes, uh, I planted 30s and 15s all in one field. And I I found something unique that I had never experienced before. Um, by doing that, we run row cleaners on our corn rows. Yep. On our interplant rows, we have no row cleaners. Yep. I'm very particular on planting depths on our beans, and I am always out digging behind the planter. And when I check behind the rows, I frequently have to run certain rows just a little bit deeper or set them up just a little bit differently in order to get that consistent seed depth. But when when the beans were emerging, which we, at planting time, in some fields, we didn't have rain for about 50 days after planting, not a drop. And what we noticed is the cornrows uh, beans, those came out pretty nice and uniform. But about three to four weeks later, the inner plants finally emerged. And when I was digging, all the beans were at the same depth. But what I realized is happening is, is even though our we're not doing no-till, we're doing uh, a, a vertical till pass first. And we're just running those row cleaners just so they're dancing just a little bit. They still got it. They swept the driest off and got them beans a little bit closer to moisture. Nice. All right. Hey, great talking to you, Kyle. Stay tuned. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. 
Visit your FMC retailer for an at plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Ant? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Ant herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. This is Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, and it's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into to our show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Going to jump back to the phone lines right now. Got Tom calling in from down in Georgia. Hey, Tom, how are things for you today? Warm. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're doing okay. We're in the, in the mid-90s, which is pretty typical for us, but anyway... We've uh, we survived the storm, uh, Hurricane Idalia, whatever the name of that thing yep, was, yep. came through a few days ago and dropped anywhere from three to eight inches of rain. And so we're recovering from that, and we're very fortunate. It was no worse than it was, so we're we're thankful. How strong? Everything. How strong were the winds when they hit your farm? They weren't too bad. They, I think they recorded 65, 66, something like that is what uh, some official said that's what they were. Sure, yeah. Um, 
which is, you know, we're in the south, so we've had the thunderstorms that are that bad. Yeah. So, and, and that was gust, all right? So it was yep. not consistent. Uh, I'm old enough to have lived through several hurricanes. And anyway, it, it worked out. We we ended up, um, we're cotton and peanut folks. And we, the area we farm, quite frankly, I, I can fuss with the best of them, but we've had a pretty good growing season. <laughs> Well, well, that's good to hear. So when do you normally harvest your cotton and your peanuts? Uh, we will start uh, defoliating cotton in approximately two weeks. Okay. And peanuts, uh, they will actually start in about two weeks, too. There's there's some folks that are actually digging now. They, they planted a little earlier than what we did. But... Um, so it's it's it all comes off at one time. It's like everything else. So tell you me, don't have enough. To yep. Do so, everything. Yeah. So so tell me about peanuts real quick. Give me maybe one or two things that you do on your farm where you go, boy, this really helps my peanuts, and I get more production. Uh, the two main things is making sure you control the weeds and controlling the insects. And since peanuts require regular fungicides, making sure that we keep fungicides on the peanuts. Um, Y'all talk about white mold and that sort of stuff up north on soybeans where we have its cousin or or whatever down here we call white mold that get on peanuts. And so we have to make sure we spray and make sure that that we have a protective covering there. It's just... it's kind of like taking an aspirin for a headache. Yep. You, know, you want to make sure you've got some protection out there. So how many times during the course of the summer or during the course of the year are you going across that peanut field? Because you you just mentioned three tough things, weeds, insects, and diseases. Um, we spray for diseases beginning 30 days after planting every two weeks or every 14 days. And it's a 140, 140 to 160 day crop. So, whatever that works out to be. Um, as far as herbicides go, generally speaking, two or three herbicide applications are all that's actually needed. Sure. Um, that that we most we've got a good herbicide package that that works for us pretty well most years. So um, that that does does well for us. So it sounds like you have to have a pretty good sprayer operator there um, if if you're going to be making that many passes between all these things, huh? Uh, yeah, those <laughs> we operator doesn't get off of it hardly. Yep. <laughs> you know, so. Well, hey, at least they have air conditioning in there. I, I would hope, and uh, oh, yeah. then they then they can beat your Georgia heat down there. Well, hey, Tom, thanks a lot for calling in today. We appreciate it, and uh, stay cool. Hey, I got one quick question. Yeah, go ahead. You got it. You bet. All right, this, this we got some some drain field, uh, tile drain. Okay. In, in a field that was put in in 1962, yep. and uh, that was the uh, the old old style you know, pipe type yep. stuff. Yep. Is there any way to? It's failed now. It just failed this okay. past year. Okay. Any way to figure out where it's is caved in at? Can is there any systems out there that anybody? knows to to be able to 
find that line and find where it's clogged up at? The only thing I know, and I'm sure somebody else has experience with something else, but the only thing I know is we can usually find our spots, and I talk to other people that find their spots when they're going along, whether it's planter, combine, sprayer, something like that, where you go, ooh, hey, there's something wrong in this area, or we've got water here, we've got poor drainage here, whatever, and we shouldn't. So a lot of times it's just, it's it's as simple as that. It's noticing it as we're going through the field. So beyond that, I don't, I don't really know of a system. I mean, if I'm sure it would, it could be done and you could probably cost a bunch more money, but there are camera systems that go into like septic lines and stuff like that in cities. So there are companies out there that I know of that have these uh, cameras that go way through these septic lines. So maybe you could do that with the tile line and, and, and find it that way too. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't thought about a camera. All right. Yep. Okay, good deal. All Appreciate right. Appreciate you suggest. You bet. Okay. Well, yep. Good luck down there, Tom. Thank you. You bet. Okay. Yep. All Appreciate right. it. Fine. All right. We're going to go next to Illinois. Got Rock calling in. Hey, Rock, what's happening in your farm right now? Well, we've got a nice cool breeze this afternoon, and it's very dry, and we are very quickly approaching harvest. So, nothing done yet in your area? Not much. Uh, Gosh, we're going to be, there's going to be a lot of people in the corn next week. August 1, we had the potential for a very impressive, outstanding crop, corn and soybeans. And we've gone downhill every day since then. I feel a little bit better about the corn than soybeans. Uh, Gosh, August needs rain. Soybeans need rain in August. It just didn't happen. We're going to have a lot of BBs and a lot of flat pods, I'm afraid. Oh, that's too bad. So you had pretty good rain earlier in the season, though, huh? Well, we had a couple of big rain events. Uh, May 7th, we had a three to four inch rain. We had to replant oh, 150 acres or so hmm. in the low spots. But fortunately, we got that. Uh, areas south of us did not get that. They went, some went 52 days when that corn was very young and small and without anything. And then we had another big rain event after that. And then everything pretty much turned off after that. We'd only get a couple tents, three tents. And yeah, we're in a dry area. The sand has really suffered here. So it's going to be an early, quick harvest, and it doesn't look like we're going to have storage issues. Yeah, it's about the same way out here. Uh, um, crops are absolutely going to be less than normal. And, yeah, I, I, I hate to even bring it up, but you, you just said some of the advantages of a short crop. We're going to be done early, not going to have storage issues, trucking costs are down. I, I'll be honest, I'd rather have harvest take a long time and spend more on trucking, but, you know, nothing much we could do to control that. So anything uh, good or bad you really noticed, anything that stood out on your farm this year other than, obviously, moisture? I guess my biggest question is the marketplace. Uh, you know, when you take a look at the drought monitor, I'm just I'm just baffled at uh, maybe the validity in, in our markets here, why it hasn't reacted to this huge of area I agree. of drought where the top the top end's been taken off. I agree. I'm with you 100%. I, I, I gambled wrong this year. I mean, we pre-sold some crop, but I thought, oh, with as much drought as there is, and I mean, for my brother Darren and me, we travel all over the country, and in the areas where lots of corn and soybeans are raised, it was everywhere. I mean, dry, 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 down, 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 problems. And so, yeah, I'm surprised too. So I'm certainly hoping the prices come back, 
but you know, I I don't know much what to say why why it's getting hit so hard. I do know we have a worldwide market anymore, and and the traders certainly look at things all around the world. But we'll see. I mean, I'm I am optimistic. I will tell you, I think things are going to get better because I'm with you. I just I don't see the yields there. Well, hey, uh, Rock, we got to get running here, but uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. We appreciate it, and good luck as harvest gets started for you soon. Great to visit with you again. Thank you very much. Well, you bet. Yeah, thank you. All right, it's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, 844-44-AG-PHD is our number, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a little bit. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Thanks, 
for listening today to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. I'm Brian Hefty. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. We're going to go down to the state of Missouri right now. We've got Brooks on with us down there. Hey, Brooks, what's happening in your operation? Hey, Brian. Uh, we are we're we're kind of in a wait and see pattern. The uh, the weather's hot and dry. It's kind of cooled off now, but I've uh, we're just kind of waiting on combines to start rolling. We're getting everything ready and, and looking to see what happens. All right. So, what do you think's going to happen? Do things look good out there? Is it a little rough this year? What, what what's your area like? So we saw no rain for the first uh, first half of the growing season, I'd say, and then and then we got some really timely rain. So I hope that I hope that things are. Let's say I hope for above average, uh, but I'm going to guess average, and, and and we'll see what happens. So I, I hope about average. So anything that kind of stood out to you this year where you go, hey, this problem was a lot worse, or um, I mean just anything good or bad that you were noticing during this growing season in particular, other than rain, obviously. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Whenever you said other than rain, I, uh, you know, <laughs> I just I, cut you off right there because I I knew where we were going right away. But <laughs> what else besides the rain? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know we we kept the same we kept the same fertilizer pattern. We kept the same no till and everything. So it's it was honestly just a a, a matter of no rain and and. It just depended on the the soil type, and and you know the the poor soils did, or I would guess do poorly, and everything. We had some terraces built, and I would guess that there's not much there because I mean the corn looks pretty, but I don't think there's going to be much there. So, well, it's just what you would say it is. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that we noticed uh, up in our area is because of the drought, a lot of plants were shorter than normal. And because of that, we didn't get as much crop canopy, meaning that more sunlight got to the ground and we just have more weeds. So I see it all over the places I've been driving around throughout the Midwest. Is it the same thing down there? Are you seeing more weeds get through this year? I would say no, honestly. I oh, good. I, I don't think so. Last year, we, we did have some of that. We had some some corn that didn't do as well. And it there, like you said, there was sunlight getting to the ground. And yeah. We had a lot of weeds, but... This year, I just I I don't see it. I think that there's it's uh, pretty good coverage and there's pretty good everything canopied and, and looks pretty good. So I mean, you know, at, at the edges of the field where you just can't do anything about it, the corn's poor and everything, it's just, it doesn't look like um, that bad. But so you know, it, it looks kind of it, it looks okay. Hey, switching gears, I know you do a bunch of work with anhydrous. Tell us about application of that down there. What are you usually waiting for? Uh, up here, a lot of people say we want the soil temp to be 50 degrees and falling. I mean, what are you shooting for in your area? So that's usually what we look for. Um, whenever, you know, they, they, they have the in-serve that you could, they say you could do it earlier yep. in the in the year, you know, warmer temperatures. But yep. we don't actually use that yet, and I, I we probably should, but we don't. So... That is what we look for, and and uh, we we might put a little bit. There will be times whenever the the high of the day is is a little bit warm, but you know, as a, as a whole, we try to if we can go, we can go, and because we're kind of right on the cusp of 
we we can have a bad winter, but uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, hopefully we don't. And so we we try to get it on when we can get it on. You know, go when you can go, and then hope for the best. Yeah, for us, we usually get freeze up here. Let's call it late November, sometime in December, something like that. I mean, what's kind of your cutoff date a lot of times that you're shooting for where you go, boy, we got to make sure we try to get done by this date, usually? So we've had uh, maybe not ground freeze, but a lot of moisture. Uh, middle of November, it'll start snowing and raining and won't stop, yep. shut yep. off, and we, we can't go. Yep. And then we've had where the ground freezes up. and But then we've also had where we're running in hydrous in the middle of December, and it it's still working great. And so it, it, we're kind of, like I said, we're kind of right there at, at the cutoff where it's a really weird area because it just, sometimes it works great. Other times it works terrible. And so it just, it depends year to, you know, everyone asks like, what's it like to be a farm? Like, well, it depends. And so that's <laughs> the words I use a lot. It depends. Yep. That's what I was just going to say. There are a lot of people that like structure in their lives and they want to plan things out and everything else. <laughs> I'm always going, yeah, it's a, you, you're not going to want to be a farmer or an agronomist or anything then. Cause uh, we have to be very flexible and, and the year, the years change so much. It's exactly like you said, we've had it every once in a while too, where the middle of December you go, Oh wow, things are nice. And my ground isn't frozy. I could actually do some anhydrous right now. Um, uh, that doesn't happen right. very often for us, but uh, but no, sometimes it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's you know, I we we've done some tillage in December. And, yeah, and run a lot of anhydrous. Well, not a lot, but we've run some anhydrous in December, and it's, it's and then we've also been where it was the first of November and we couldn't do anything. So yep. It like it, it depends. Yep, that's for sure. Well, hey, Brooks, it's been great talking with you today. Thanks a lot for calling in. We appreciate it, and good luck and stay safe as you go through this harvest season. Thanks, Brian. You bet. All right, it is time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, this first question comes in from Zach asking, in soybeans, which fungicide is best as a preventative? All right, well, first of all, Zach, I would say all fungicides are preventative rather than curative. And I know some companies will say, well, we have curative properties. Don't count on that much. Please make sure you spray your fungicide as early as possible because if it's not out there before you see the disease, the disease is going to hit your crop and hurt your crop and you're going to lose yield and income. So you want to be on the early side. In terms of which fungicide is best, the big thing that I always tell people is use multiple effective modes of action. So you want a two-mode-of-action product or a three-mode-of-action product, something like that. That's what we are going to prefer in terms of which one exactly, it depends a little bit on the disease. So, for example, if I say sclerotinia white mold, well, then my choices are much more limited. I like Endura. I like Topsin. I like Domark, things like that. Even Cobra, I know it's a herbicide, but that actually has pretty good activity in white mold. But then we go to, let's say it's frog eye leaf spot or something else, brown spot, then I, I'm not as fussy. I mean, there are a lot more fungicides that will do a good job. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have this great answer for you other than there are a lot of really good choices out there. All right, next one is from Mike in South Dakota. He said, I heard Darren's radio update about climate and temps. I thought it was very intriguing. I tried to find it on your website, but I came up empty. Is there a link to the data that you shared? No, Um Mike, we had done this, or Darren had this radio update. This was a couple of days ago. And yeah, let me just read this for you. It says, we farm near Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 
In the decade of the 1930s, Sioux Falls had 58 degrees above or 58 days above 100 degrees. So think about that. In that decade of the 30s, we had 58 days above 100 degrees. So that's about six days a year. Since 1980, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, there have only been 45 days over 100 degrees. So that's a 43-year span with far fewer hot days than in the 1930s. And the reason why we, we did this is because a lot of people are talking about global warming and everything. And look, we're not saying global warming isn't real. I mean, certainly could be. But when there are a lot of people saying, well, we're getting all these hot temperatures and everything else, it's like, whoa, 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 time out here. Almost 100 years ago, we had a whole decade that was way hotter than what we are dealing with today. So let's make sure we're talking about the facts rather than making up our own facts uh, that tell whatever story we're trying to tell. All right. Uh, next one is from Marty in North Carolina. He says, hey, guys, last week on your radio show, you and your guest talked about the price per pound of nutrient to the uh, and nitrogen in particular to the price per pound of the corn to soybean ratio. And I was waiting to hear what the ideal ratio would be, but it was never mentioned. Is there an ideal ratio? Um, okay, so first of all, Marty, basically what we have seen over the past 10, 15 years is fertilizer prices especially nitrogen, kind of move with corn prices. So as corn prices go down, usually nitrogen prices come down. Corn prices go up, nitrogen prices go up. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly because I, I was the person talking to the guest and I don't remember what they said for a ratio or anything. Uh, but we'll try to get that information and get that to you. Stay tuned. We'll get to more of your questions right after this. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot 
Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It's Ag PhD Mailbag time here on Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We are answering your questions all throughout our show today. So this next one is actually from down in South Africa. Hardis writes in and he says, "Uh, Hi guys, I am a soil scientist and agronomist here in South Africa. Uh, We specialize in soil classification to create yield potential zones as well as doing grid chemical analysis. And based on these results, we can create variable rate seed and fertilizer zones as well as management zones regarding tillage and other management practices. Uh, Artists, that sounds great. So uh, congratulations on on the advancement that you're making there in agriculture. It's awesome. Anyway, he says, I usually listen to your show while driving, and it's interesting to hear your opinion, especially regarding soil tests. It kind of forces me to adjust my thinking. Uh, So I'm curious what your opinion is on a soil test that I have sent you. So he says here, by the way, that he gets about 26 inches of rain a year. He has fairly light clay. He says only uh, 10 to 15% clay. Uh, They have dry winters with no snowfall or freezing of the soil, and the organic matter is under 1%. Uh, Anyway, he says after the soil corrections are done, it'd be impossible. It would not be impossible to have corn yields as high as, he says, six tons per hectare. That amounts to about 133 bushels of corn, uh, depending on on rainfall timing, etc. Anyway, he says, please ignore our minimum values on this soil test and just give me your opinion on what you think here. All right, so Hardis, the first thing that I see on your soil test is it's pretty light soil. Now, I don't you don't have cation exchange capacity, at least I don't think, because some of this is in a foreign language, so I'm not entirely sure what everything is here, but most of the stuff I can figure out. But I know it's really light soil because when I look at your base saturation potassium percentage, it's 3%, which sounds not horrible, but then you only have 68 parts per million of potassium, and that is not nearly enough to raise any good crop at all, hardly. So you're absolutely going to need more potassium. On the phosphorus side, it's 20 parts per million on a Bray 1 or P1 test and 27 parts per million on a phosphorus Malik 3 test. So not too bad, uh, but not what we're usually looking for. So what I'm trying to say here is the two major nutrients that we're usually talking about for corn, other than nitrogen, obviously, are P and K, and you need more of both. Along with your phosphorus, we're always going to tell you, make sure you're taking a look at copper and zinc 
And what I see on the soil test here is your copper and zinc are, are fairly low. I mean, they're kind of in ratio right now with your low levels of phosphorus. But if you raise phosphorus, just don't forget about copper and zinc. Keep throwing a little bit more of that out there. Now, anytime we have light soil, we're always going to be talking about the, the leachable nutrients. So that's nitrogen, sulfur, and boron, and split applying. And if you have really light soil, it's maybe even making several applications. So th that's a real big key. And then one of the biggest things here is when I look at your soil pH, it says it's a KCL test. So basically a salt test for pH. Well, when you compare salt pH to water pH like we normally run, the salt pH test is usually going to be quite a bit lower. The KCL tests are usually, let's call it three quarters of a point lower. So your test says 4.1 for pH. So even if we figure, let's let's say it's 4.8 or something like that, 4.9, it's still in the fours. And corn and really any crop is it's just not going to do as well when your pH is in the fours. So what I'm trying to say here is I don't know how much money you want to invest in this particular ground or anything, but the first dollar I'm spending is on lime. We got to get that pH corrected. What our tests have shown over the years is boy, when we're down into the the fours, our yield drops off dramatically on corn. It's bad. So I'm not going to say it's half, but I, I've at least lost a third or more of my yield potential on corn immediately if I don't have that pH right. So that's one of the biggest things. Uh, good luck to you down there, Hardison. Again, thanks a lot for sending in your question. All right. Next one comes from Brett. He says, I've, got, I've had brome hay for 20 out of the last 30 years in this ground. My fertility doesn't look as bad overall as I thought uh, or as I was afraid of um, it, with this soil test that I just pulled here. But what is the best way to apply phosphorus without tearing up my stand? It's HEL ground. I do have a VT disc or uh, a rolling spike aeration tool. Um, and what would be good levels to apply for two and a half to three ton of grass hay? Okay, so we talk all the time on the show about how phosphorus just doesn't move very well in soil, especially in heavy soil, but it, it doesn't move down very well. You'd have to get a lot of phosphorus out there in order for it to move down well at all. And we've got areas out here as low as six and two and eight and seven parts per million. I mean, it's we got a lot of spots where phosphorus is absolutely a yield limiting factor. So I'll put it this way. Can you just go top dress a bunch of phosphorus and will it eventually help your grass hay? Sure it will. But it's not going to help your grass hay as much as if you got that down into the ground somehow, some way. So I don't care how you do it, but if you can get it down into the ground, you will get a lot faster and better response from the phosphorus you applied. Same kind of thing with potassium. Your potassium levels are just really low. So I, I, I'm seeing here uh, in terms of uh, potassium, and this makes sense. It's hay, and if you're, you're cutting and taking the hay off, then you're going to end up with uh, less potassium over time. That's just the way it is. So I, I just say, hey, make sure that you're working on both your P and K, try to get it down in the ground. 
And then really, quite frankly, for anybody listening, when you ever have the opportunity where you take an, an old stand of hay, I don't care if it's alfalfa, grass, whatever, when you take an old stand out and you're going to put a perennial hay back in there, that's your chance. Load it up with P and K. And even don't forget about copper and zinc. They're both very important nutrients, even for grass. And I, I they just don't move in the soil. So Sure, it's easy if you want to just throw nitrogen out, sulfur, boron. They'll leach down. No big deal. But not phosphorus, not copper, not zinc, and in a lot of cases, not potassium either if you have heavy soil and not a lot of rainfall. So those are the things that I would think about. In terms of what levels would I like, um, if I'm talking a Bray test, I mean, ideally, what would I like? I like it to be 100, but I want to get to at least 50. So... It just depends really on, on what you're after and what your goals are. But, I I mean, th- that's kind of what I'm shooting for. Uh, by the way, I looked at his pH here, and it, it's it's variable, but there isn't anything that's, like, super alarming. Just a couple of spots of 5.9 pH, so nothing, you know, that's super concerning there. All right, here's his next thing. He says, along with weak production, we have quite a few weeds breaking through. So I'm planning on a 2,4-D product soon, but quite a bit of foxtails coming through, and I don't know what knocks that back well in brome. Uh, so I'd like to throw out some brome seed late this fall. That probably limits a dual-type product in the spring. Uh, anyway, thanks for the help. Oh, and by the way, he says here his soil tests are 4-inch samples. And uh, his point number two is behind old feed bunks for cattle 40 years ago. I'm guessing point number two, and I don't even know where that is here. Uh, I'm guessing... That's where his fertility levels are high. I bring that up to people all the time. You can often find where grandpa spread manure 40 years ago, and a lot of times we're still reaping the rewards of that. So it's pretty awesome. Anyway, um, oh, one last thing here uh, before I get to get back to the weed question. He says, uh, uh, Malik 3 test, basically. Uh, look, I don't care if you run a Malik 3 or a Bray test or whatever. Just get tests done, period. I like Malik 3, but it doesn't really matter. All right. Um, anyway, with this weed question. So, first of all, if you have lots of weeds breaking through any hay crop, um, that may be your time where you go, you know what, I'm just going to tear this up. I'm going to start over. Then I'm going to get the fertility great because when you have the fertility great then your grass is usually thicker stronger it's going to it's got a lot better chance to choke out weeds without a whole bunch of herbicide applications so that's one thing to think about Uh, but in terms of what's going to kill annual grass the main thing is just keep it from going to seed so i just cut it an extra time if it looks like it may get to the point where it could go to seed and then you should be in good shape in the spring you could always throw prowl out or something and you can throw prowl out now too if you want to just for some residual control on that so you you do have some options but in terms of any burn down some guys have gone with really really low rates of glyphosate where it's enough to kill that foxtail and not hurt the brome too bad. I hate to do that, especially going into winter. For me, I'd just rather cut it and uh, just prevent the, the annual grass from going to seed. Before we go, I just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle. She was producing the show today. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.